Good morning, His people. Welcome to our online church service again. And it's a delight to bring the word to you this morning. And we just really have seen the power of God's word in this time, spending time in His word, being renewed by the power of His word has just been so refreshing. And the word I want to bring to you this morning has refreshed my soul this week. And uh, when I was just seeking the Lord regarding what word he wanted me to bring to you this morning, uh, this is the scripture he took me to, and uh, we're going to look at it. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5, uh, just the first five verses, and I hope we, we get through it in the time we have together. Um, but I've entitled it, It is Well With My Soul. And I trust you'll see why I've given it that title as we go through. But let's just commit this time to the Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for your word, Lord. I want to just thank you, uh, just that you have given us this gift of your Bible, Lord. Lord, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. Lord, you said about your word that you send forth your word as rain falls from heaven, Lord. And doesn't return to it, but waters the earth. Lord, I thank you that there's a watering, a refreshing that comes as you send forth your word, Lord. Lord, I pray your anointing on your word this morning. Lord, just enable me, grace me to bring forth your word as you want to speak to your people. As you want to speak to his people this morning, Lord. Bring forth this word in that way for your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I want to put up a quote that uh, I found Martin Luther said this about Romans chapter 5. We're just going to look at the first five verses, but this is what he said about the chapter. He said, in the whole Bible, there is hardly another chapter which can equal this triumphant text. And I must say, I was surprised by this chapter. And uh, I'm doing a, a Bible reading plan, and I, some, I can't remember which day this week, I read this text from Romans chapter 5. And I was meant to maybe one day's reading. I actually took two days, maybe I think it was maybe even three days to get through the portion. It was just so meaty, I couldn't get through it. And, and the thing is, I was reading it actually in the Passion Bible. Now, I've read this text often in various translations. I've never read it in the Passion Bible. And I must say, I was startled by the beauty of it. And when I read this quote by Martin Luther about Romans uh, chapter 5, I was like, yes, this is true. I can say that that's true for me as well about Romans chapter 5. So, won't you come with me as we just look at this beautiful portion of Scripture. So, we start off in verse 1 and um, uh, it says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. I must say, when I read those words, just that first part of the first verse, I was already, wow, this is incredible. This sounds so fresh. And, and I was trying to remember what some of the other more traditional translations of this text, uh, text is. And I actually went to go look it up. And the simple three words justified by faith, is really what that is. And I was like, that is an amazing description 
of what being justified by faith is. And I want to I pause. I've underlined over there the words faith in Jesus. And I must say those were the first three words that just jumped out at me. And, and, and those three words, as I was thinking about it, those are the three simplest words with which I think you can encapsulate the gospel. The good news is have faith in Jesus. That's simply what it is. Have faith in Jesus. And some, some, um, some Bible uh, texts, and uh, they say that this portion of Scripture is, is giving the benefits of faith. Romans chapter 5. The benefits of faith. And this is one of them. That um, by faith in Jesus, God transfers righteousness to us and he declares us flawless in his eyes. Flawless in his eyes. This is incredible. And this is, I trust as we unpack this, you'll see why. We can say, we can declare, no matter what circumstances life may throw at us, we can say it is well with our soul because of what faith in Jesus has done for us. And it is continuous, it is, it is God's righteousness given to us and he declares us flawless in his eyes. This, these words, faith in Jesus, I paused there and I thought, I've so often looked at faith. And over the years we've so often looked at the biblical definition of faith. But I, I, I love exploring just new ways, new ideas of same old truths. And so I went to go look at some, some just definitions of faith and I was, I was quite delighted what I, what I discovered. One of, one of the dictionaries I went to, they gave three words to describe faith. They used these words, belief, and, and, and when I read it, I was like, yes, for sure. They used the word trust and I was, come on, I, I, I definitely associate that with faith. And the next word they used was the word loyalty. And when I, when I saw that word loyalty, I was a bit surprised. I must say I was surprised. It was like belief, tick, trust, tick, loyalty. And I, and I, and I just felt, I, I need to dig here. Lord, why, why is this word loyalty? And, and let me tell you why. I found that amongst many of today's Christians, the word loyalty has, has fallen on hard times. It's kind of like the word servant. You know, it, I heard, I heard one person talking about the word servant and he put it like this. He said, he said he was studying leadership and he was looking at books on leadership and he couldn't find a single book that had the word servant and leadership together. But then he did a study in the Bible and he, and he listed how many times the concept of leadership is taught by Jesus in the context of servanthood. And it's, it's, it's the same as the word servanthood. The word loyalty has fallen on hard times. I can understand. People have been hurt and, and etc. And therefore it's like, mm -mm, I'm not doing that being they got the t-shirt. But it's a thoroughly biblical, beautiful concept that enriches our concept of faith. And I thought, let's just look at it. Let's just look at it. Because all these benefits come by faith. And let's just unpack what is loyalty. It was interesting. One of the, one, one of the things I did is I thought, okay, let's just look at uh, what is the opposite, the antonym of loyalty. And, I mean, obviously disloyalty would be the first one coming to mind. But the other words I found was faithlessness, falseness, infidelity, treachery, unfaithfulness, untrustworthiness, 
inconsistency, etc. And I read those words like, okay, I think we need to get our, get our minds and our hearts around this concept of loyalty. Because the opposite is just horrendous. I don't know about you, I don't want that in my life. I don't want that in our church. I'm like, Lord, okay, we, we need to get our, get, get our understanding around this. And so let's look at it. What, what are some of the synonyms? What are the words that amplify and describe what loyalty is? Because loyalty is an aspect of faith. And there are all these benefits to the life of faith. And let's get an understanding of this. Firstly, um, it is a commitment. It, that is what loyalty means. Loyalty means commitment. It means dedication. It means dependability. It means faith. Come on, I agree with that. It means faithfulness. It means fidelity and steadfastness. It means allegiance, constancy, devotion, trust. There we go. I agree with that. Trustworthiness, etc. And I was reading this and I was like, God, this defines, this defines your commitment to us. But more than that, that is what the Lord is speaking about when we say well, an aspect of faith is loyalty. We're saying this is what it looks like. This is what a life of faith looks like. But I was speaking to my wife about this and I said, you know, honey, this should also be what our relationships look like if we call ourselves Christians as part of the kingdom of God. This is what it's meant to look like. And, and so... If it, when I was when I was just researching this, I typed in loyalty, and, and one of the things was quotes. I, I, I like looking up quotes, and I went to go and look up quotes on loyalty, and I was actually so surprised. I was actually I was actually so surprised to find what I saw, and what I found was most of the quotes about loyalty had something to do with various loyalty programs. And I realized people in the marketplace, people in business, have, have an understanding of the value of loyalty, have, understand the importance and the value of having loyal customers, loyal supporters to their product or to their brand. And yet, I was surprised at how few Christian quotes there were on the subject of loyalty. And it was like, how come people in the marketplace, how come people in business understand how important loyalty is, but Christians are like, no, I'm not sure about this. This is thoroughly a biblical concept. And I believe as Christians, we must reclaim this, this, this inheritance of ours. This is from our God. This whole concept of loyalty. And so when we talk about faith in Jesus, it includes all of this. And this should also permeate our relationships. Um, uh, I want to go on. In part B of uh, verse 1, it says, This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Another benefit of faith in Jesus, loyalty to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, is this aspect of peace with God. And I've underlined the word peace there. And, I'm, and I underline it for this reason. Many of us know about the peace that, that we get in God. For example, many of you, and I've got the scripture here, Philippians 4 verse 7, 
speaks about the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. There's a peace that comes from, from knowing God, but I actually underline the word with God. And I was so struck by the concept and the reality of how often, if you are spending time with somebody who is on their deathbed, the, the words that people will often use is, have you made peace with God? Have you made peace with God? And the reality is that this, the peace of God flows out of and because of and once we have come to the place of making peace with God. You see, when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you, when you dedicate your life to being loyal, to trust in Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus, that is the time that you make peace with God. The result of that is that we get the peace of God, which is the reality we live with. But the reality is, in life, there are many battles, and there are many challenges we will face. And I was saying to Jen, when we were talking about this, I was saying, isn't it amazing to know that we have peace with God. Peace with God means we're on His side. And, and it's just so sad, you know, you know, we're reflecting on how so many people's lives, you can see they haven't made peace with God. It's, 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 it's really, you can see they're still wrestling with God. And how futile, isn't it, to, 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 to wrestle with God. And my exhortation and my encouragement to anybody listening to this message is, isn't it time that you made peace with God? That you may know the peace of God. It's simply putting your faith in Jesus, dedicating your life to being loyal to Jesus, and that is how you will find peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Going to the next slide, chapter 5 and verse 2a, the first part of verse 2 says, Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvellous kindness that has given us perfect relationship with God. I underlined the word guarantee and I, and I, and I put a little picture here of a guarantee. Our faith guarantees us something. And, I, and, I, and I, that word just, just jumped out at me and I was like, what is a guarantee? Simply a guarantee is a promise that something will be done. It's a promise that something will be done. What is this promise? Faith is a guarantee. I, I got the picture of somebody coming to you and say, hey, where's your guarantee? Where, what is your promise that this is going to come to pass? Your promise is your faith. Your faith in Jesus. Your commitment of loyalty to Jesus, of trusting in Jesus. That is our guarantee. That is the guarantee. Jesus had 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 x-ray eyes. He, he would look at people he was with. He marveled often at his disciples, a little faith they had. He looked at the centurion and he marveled at this man's great faith. Faith is a guarantee. God sees faith. God responds to faith. But faith is a guarantee, the Bible says. Guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us perfect relationship with God. What is he talking about here? This marvelous kindness. I just love those words. I, when I read those words, marvelous kindness that has given us perfect, uh, given us per, a perfect relationship with God. 
Those words are just so beautiful. And 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 then again, I was thinking, mm, what 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 is some of the more, more tra- traditional translations? What words do they use? And they speak about faith by faith into this grace. What 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 this translation is bringing out here is bringing out using other words for the word grace. That is what grace means: God's marvelous kindness and and access into the into a perfect relationship with God. Perfect. Relationship with God. That's what that's what faith into this grace means. Those words, faith and grace, and and encountering God's grace by faith. That's really what the whole book of Romans and Galatians is about. Unpacking the various aspects of these amazing truths of entering into this realm of marvelous kindness or grace by faith. It is beautiful, and it also gives us access into perfect relationship with God. And on the next slide, I, I put this up. This permanent access, have I underlined? Permanent access. You know, nowadays, many places you go, you need to um, have a, a code and, and often a security card, etc. But you know, sometimes people can change the code on your card and suddenly you don't have access to some place. Faith gives us permanent access to God himself. God's never going to revoke your access code to come to him as you come to him in prayer. It's permanent access. You have a permanent access code. And that access code is simply one word. It's faith. Faith in Jesus, not in yourself, not in, in anything you've done. Faith in Jesus and everything that he has done gives us permanent access. Those words, permanent access, there's so many phrases I've already gone over that just in your devotion time, you can just stop there and just have a praise party, just thank the Lord um, for, for just this amazing revelation, this amazing scripture. The access isn't just into a standing of grace. Grace is a standing. It's, 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 a beautiful, it's a beautiful place to be declared in His grace. But it's not just a theological standing with God. It but into the very courts of heaven. This grace, grace-imputed righteousness, this, this, this access that we get, this permanent access that we get, is into the very courts of heaven. I remember... I had a family member that used to joke about, because I was a pastor, would say, yeah, you know, I've got that, that hotline to heaven. I've got that. And, and would, would kind of, <laughs> joking, he said, I must pray for them because I've got a hotline to heaven. Every single Christian has permanent access into the very courts of heaven. Why? Because you put your faith in Jesus, in the work of Jesus, that made a way that gives us permanent access to the very courts of heaven. It's beautiful. It is just like, wow, God. And that's why we can say, it is well with my soul. There isn't a circumstance that can happen on this planet that can take that away from us. It's just incredible. It is well with our souls. This is a blessing beyond peace with God. We looked at the peace with God. A gentleman by the, by the surname of Poole said this, One may be reconciled to his prince and yet not be brought into his presence. 
And this is highlighting the difference. We, we can recognize that we have, we have grace imputed righteous, righteousness. That we have been justified by God. All these amazing truths we can, we, we, can, we can marvel at them. We need to embrace them. We need to marinate in them. We're like, God, this is amazing. But being right with God, or as that is having peace with God, is so important. That's the first step. That is just where we start. Let's not stop at Christianity 101. Let's go on. One may be reconciled to his prince and yet not be brought into his presence. The Lord wants us to come into his presence. Not just receive this incredible work of Jesus and not actually step in to the Lord's presence, into the throne room, into the very presence of God. Come there with our prayers, with our worship, with our thanksgiving, with our petitions. That is the place that this faith gives us permanent access. The next uh, part of verse 2 says, What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Oh, goodness. Just this, this sentence was, wow, Lord. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. And this, this verse builds up to, a, to, to the conclusion of God's glory. We have joy bursting forth. We have celebrate, a celebrating hope as we, as we experience at the hope of experiencing God's glory. The end result is God's glory. The end of our lives, when everything is said and done, we get to experience God's glory. So many people, I remember the book, um, Voices from the Edge of Eternity, where the, the writer of the book had, had written down the, the, the last words of both saints and sinners, people who knew God and people who didn't know God. And the contrast is just so, so, so stark. The thing that struck me when I was reading that book and some of the quotes in that book was how many of the saints, their last words, is, is, a, is getting glimpses of glory. The descriptions they made were glimpses of God's glory. And, and, and I, I just love the concept of glory. And, and I believe we must always remember that when everything is said and done, we graduate to glory. No matter what happens, no matter what happens on this planet, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you dedicate your life to be loyal to Jesus, the end of it is glory, God's glory. And I want to put up just a beautiful description. This guy, Sam Storms, said this, I simply define glory as the beauty of God unveiled. The beauty of God unveiled. What a beautiful way of describing it. He went on to describe glory like this. He said, glory is the resplendent radiance of his power and his personality or character. I put in the word character there. I've often, I've often the two simple words or description of his glory I've used is it's the radiance of his character. Your character is who you truly are, your true nature. So, so I love this. Glory is the resplendent radiance of his power and his personality. Folks, 
that gives us, causes joy to burst forth from our soul as you read the scripture, as you're hearing this word. It's like, that is my destiny. I'm going to encounter God's glory. What is it? I'm going to encounter the resplendent radiance of his power and his personality or his character. Look, look, I've put some more in there. He went on to say, glory is all of God that makes God God. Come on. And shows him to be worthy of our praise and our boasting. That's why the scripture says we burst forth with joy. Look at this. That he's worthy of our praise and our boasting and our trust. We're talking about faith here and our trust and our hope and our confidence and our joy. There's that word joy again. When we have a concept of God's glory, joy bursts forth. And that is why we can say in every circumstance, it's well with my soul, no matter what happens, we, the end of the story is glory. It rhymes, but I'm so glad it does. And this is just such a beautiful reality that we need to live with. Um, and I want to go on. When I came to uh, verse 3, I was quite stumped when he said, but that's not all. I was like, how can they... How can there be more? I know Romans is a few more chapters. He said that's not all. All of this lays a foundation for this. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful, there's that word joy again, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Verse 4, and patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. This, this description here, I paused over there and, and, and it was probably one of the reasons I was drawn to minister on the scripture. There's no doubt in, 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 in where the world is at the moment, uh, where we're all under lockdown due to COVID-19, that we are, across the world, people are experiencing times of trouble. And so scriptures like this jump out at us and I, and I thought, wow, this scripture is so beautiful. And on the next slide, I've kind of highlighted what I've taken. There's a process here that Paul the Apostle and the anointing of the Holy Spirit is highlighting. This process of how God deals with us. And there, there is absolutely the, the delight of, of encountering God's glory one day. But there's also the delight of what he's doing in and through us in, the, in these times. I, I, I put it up on the next slide. And, and he first says, in Romans 5 verse 3, I couldn't help but connecting it with James chapter 1 verse 23, where James also says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you face trials of various kinds. And he also goes through the process that God takes us through, and he says at the end of that, you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing, James says. And here the, the Apostle Paul in Romans says the same thing. You see, the early church had this understanding that when we go through tough times, when, when, when we go through troubles, there's stuff that happens in us that is so beautiful. What God molds in us, the, the, it says in Romans uh, chapter 8, that God works all things for the good of those who love him. This is describing a process of how God works good in us. So at the end of this, we're all going to look more like Jesus. We're all going to have our characters shaped and molded to more reflect Jesus and ultimately we trust reflect God's glory to the world around us, to people around us more and more. So look at what he says over here. 
the process that he highlights in this verse goes like this. Firstly, he highlights the word precious. Okay? Precious across the world in various shapes and forms, medical pressures, financial pressures, etc. Then he says, because of those pressures, how do we respond? What is God wanting to work in us? Patient endurance. Patient endurance. And this, this, I, I think everybody would say, here in South Africa, we are into our fourth week now of lockdown. And, and I think all of us could say, sure, it's been long. I, I must say to some people, three weeks, I was good with three weeks. But pushing four weeks, I must say, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. But what is the Lord doing in us? We're experiencing the pressure. The pressure, reality of, of being confined to a small space. Most of us are, enjoy the freedom of moving around, just the delight of meeting other people. We're experiencing what is God doing in us. He's working patient endurance in us. But what is the result? What is the result of that? It says in Romans 5 verse 3, it develops character. And this word character is an important word. I, I, I remember being taught this years ago. If you actually go and look in the original language, this word character comes from the Greek understanding of how they used to actually shape characters. It comes from, literally today, letters of the alphabet are known as characters. Because back in the day, they were shaped by, by, by instruments where you were actually engraved. You had to, you had to engrave characters into clay or, or various things you were writing on. But, but literally, the act of forming coins in the old days came from the, 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 the concept of shaping character. And today, you get coins, and often a coin will have an imprint of a famous leader of that nation. And it may have the face imprint of somebody or some, 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 some emblem or some logo of that nation. But how is that shaped? That coin, that metal, firstly must experience heat and secondly pressure. There's a mold that that coin is put into, that metal is put into, and under the two effects of heat and pressure, that coin is shaped into the shape that is required. And that is very much a description of character. Pressures, patient endurance, we allow the pressure, we allow through the pressure God to shape us, and that results in character. And ultimately we trust the character that comes out is that we're looking more like Jesus. And then finally it says hope. We have hope in God, because we've seen God, we've experienced God working. We look back and we say, wow, look at what God has done in our life. I'm, I've, I've, I've dealt with some stuff. God has revealed stuff in my heart. Stuff that I've had to repent of. Stuff I've had to ask the Lord to forgive of. Stuff I've had to repent to others of. Ask other people to forgive. All that process results in us changing and ultimately hope. Why do we have hope? Because we see God, you're changing us. You change us into your image. We are reflecting your glory more and more. And this is the process highlighted in Romans chapter 5. And let's embrace God's process. This is how God shapes men and women. He has done it for 2,000 years. Let's embrace the process. Let us embrace the grace to patiently endure what we are going through. 
that character may be formed in us ultimately, that we may be full of hope. And, and then he goes on to speak about, he speak about hope in the next verse. But before I go on, I want to I just park here. And there's a story that came to mind. I remember hearing this story a while ago of this man called Horatio Spafford. And he wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. But very few people know the circumstances that this man went through before he wrote this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And I wanted to just tell you the story. He was a very wealthy lawyer in Chicago in the, uh, the, the 18, 1860s, 1870s. And he uh, was a senior partner in a law firm and he was able to invest his, his money into property in downtown Chicago. In 1871, the mass of Chicago fire broke out. Chicago was built... Mostly all the buildings were built out of timber. They were built very close together. The fire raged for a couple of days. Um, and and vast, vast, many blocks of downtown Chicago was just destroyed by this massive fire. And Horatio lost a lot of, a lot of business. His, his, his law practice burned down, their law practice, and just lost a lot of money in that time. And then... In 1873, there was a major economic meltdown uh, as well in America, and he lost whatever he had. He lost more money, but he was a committed believer, and he was he, he was in relationship with um, the, the the famous uh, famous evangelist and um, and um, I just forget the guy's name at the moment. And he the, this evangelist was ministering in London. And he wanted to go and support this, uh, this evangelist. And so he, he booked tickets on, on, his, on, a, on a ship for his family to go over to London uh, to support the, uh, the evangelist. And, uh, and just before he went on the ship, there were some business dealings, zoning problems with his properties in Chicago, and he couldn't go. And he sent his family, his wife, with his four little daughters. The daughters were aged between, I think, the age of eight years old and two years old. Four little daughters. They went on the ship. He was going to come a little while later once he sorted out his business dealings. And, and as, as they, they went on the ship, the ship collided with another, another vessel in the middle of the Atlantic. The ship they were, his, his family was on sank incredibly rapidly within 12 minutes. I've just read incredible things of how this mom prayed with her four daughters. Um, she was miraculously saved and uh, in the icy waters of the Atlantic. And when she got, got back to, um, to Liverpool, she sent this famous, famous um, uh, telegram to her husband, saved alone. Just those two words, saved alone. He came and uh, got on the next ship and the story is told that as he was sailing across the Atlantic, the captain told him when they got to the place where his, the ship had gone down and he'd lost his four daughters between the ages of two years old and eight years old. And when he got there, the, the, the story is told that he got the inspiration for the very famous hymn, It Is Well with my soul. And the great evangelist Dwight L. Moody, who they went to support, when he heard that Horatio 
was at Liverpool. He actually cancelled the meetings he was at and he went down to Liverpool to go and comfort Horatia and his wife in the incredible loss of their four daughters. And this, this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, is such a story of, of it's a modern day story of Job, of yes, mourning an incredible loss, but not losing sight of what God, the reality of what God has done in and through our lives, through those simple words and simple reality of putting our faith in Jesus. And so, the verse goes on, the, the scripture goes on in verse 5. And I said it carries on about this hope. Because this, this scripture speaks about a hope and it, and, it, and it amplifies and it just explains a bit more about what this hope is. And it says in verse 5, And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Such beautiful, beautiful words. This hope of allowing the pressure to, to mould character in us that unlocks a hope, and this is hope, is not a disappointing fantasy, because we can now experience, not just hopeful, experience means here and now, not, not one day. Experience now the endless love. I love putting the word endless with love. When I was young, there was a song, there was a movie about endless love. This concept of endless love is only found in God, the endless love of God. Cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You see, faith in Jesus releases the work of the Holy Spirit in us that is so deep, that is so profound. And so, we can be on a ship like a ratio and contemplating enduring incredible loss the side of eternity. Both Horatio and his wife took great comfort from the fact that their daughters had all put their faith in Jesus. And they experienced this work of the Holy Spirit in them. And Horatio could pen the immortal words of that famous hymn, It is well with my soul. And I don't know where you are and what you've been going through, but no matter where you are, Based on the revelation of the scripture, we can sing, we can declare, it is well with our soul. And I want to close, and I want us to sing this hymn together. And we're going to, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And then I want us to sing together this, this hymn. And I've decided to, there are many versions of this hymn. Uh, over, the, over, this, over the years, many people have, Written different versions, and we're going to sing the version that was uh, put out by Bethel Church, uh, I think in 2014. Just a beautiful version of this hymn. We're going to sing it as well with our soul. And we can sing that because of the incredible truth revealed in Romans chapter 5. And let us, let's just pray 
And then let's just do, let's just worship God. Lord, I want to thank you just for the immortal words of Scripture, Lord. Lord, these, these triumphant words, as Martin Luther said, triumphant words, Lord. Words that inspire us. Words that comfort us. Words that encourage us. Words that give us hope. But Lord, I pray that they would not just be words. I pray that these words would be a reality for us. Lord, the words joy and the words hope, the words love, the words faith, Lord, those are huge realities. And I pray particularly the words of the last verse. Lord, I pray that we would experience the endless love of God. We would experience this endless love of God cascading into our hearts, Lord. Cascading levels of your love through the Holy Spirit who loves us. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would you would work these words in us. Cause us to experience your love. And Lord, we will rejoice. And we will declare the, the famous words that you gave Horatio Spafford. It is well with my soul. We, we sing that. We worship that. We declare that. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen.